Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and I have something to admit. I barneyed up the last couple of episodes. Show numbers, we are actually up to show 61. I can't believe we passed show 60 and I didn't get to shout it from the rooftops. So here we are, show 61. I am so excited today because I'm interviewing one of the great food storytellers of Australia through the many series of Food Safari that she has put on over, hosted over the years, Maeve O'Meara. And she is just such a wealth of knowledge. And in talking to her throughout today's show about the current series, which if you haven't tuned in yet, make sure you you watch your little backlog of what's already been and and start to tune into the show from now because it is a stunning show that celebrates plant foods. Uh, one of the great issues we have in our time in the is that not only factory farming exists, but we're just eating too much meat. Australia actually beats the US per capita on meat eating. So we, both our nations and the UK as well, and and many areas of the world, eat far too much that is able for us to grow sustainably and ethically in terms of humane treatment of animals. And, you know, I always say if we can halve our meat and double our veg, I think we're going to be onto a really good thing for our health and the planet's health and, and animal welfare because we're bringing things back to a more manageable amount of uh, animal farming. And this entire series is all about us celebrating the diversity that we can find in plant foods, plant-based meals, and is by no stretch trying to convert people to air vegetarianism or veganism. It's absolutely for omnivores as well to realize just how full and satisfied and and uh, we can feel by eating a plant-based meal, as well as how much deliciousness there is to be found. Often we kind of tokenistically steam a few veggies to go with our huge piece of steak and and really there is just so much more we can do to get excited by plant foods. So it's a joy speaking to Maeve today but before we hook into that conversation I have some wonderful show supporters and an amazing new business that I wanted to mention quickly because I have signed on to support them as an affiliate. And and it is just so exciting because if there's one thing I get asked over and over again, when we open up the floor at the end of one of my talks, often so common is how do I afford more organic food? It is a huge question. It's something I've done a show on. If you wanted to look back, I'll pop that in the show notes because I've addressed that in the podcast because I hear the pain from everybody knowing that they want to reduce their amount of exposure to pesticides. It's a no-brainer. It's one of the biggest ways we're exposed to endocrine disruptive chemicals, not to mention the kidney and liver damage studies that have come up from the amazing Professor Michael Antonio's work on glyphosate in the UK, which uh, he was on the show recently. I think that was show 46. A fascinating chat and, and, and so many more pieces of information where fine, you may not be able to argue that there are more nutrients in conventional sprayed food, but you can argue absolutely that pesticides are not necessarily safe and even tiny amounts of exposure are not desirable. So 
When Lainey from the Whole Food Collective, Lainey Oldfield and her husband who've started this business, a small family run business, reached out to me and said, look, we've decided to try and create a business model that was focused on education and community and adding value to our members with a membership model while then being able to give people on average 30% off their whole food staples, predominantly organic staples, wherever they can, they're choosing organic um, versions of everything, which is so far from what I've seen, uh, almost everything, which is amazing, to be able to then pass on the entire savings because of that membership model to their customers in purchasing their basic pantry staples from them. I definitely listened because I hear from you guys all the time just how much you want to make those changes, but how sometimes it's just not possible. And of course, with wherever you're at and whatever you can do, that is enough. So it's never about guilting people into thinking, well, you're not going organic, so (laughs) good luck. Um, You know, it's absolutely not about that message. But when a business like this comes along and is trying to make it easier for us to incorporate more organics into our pantry stables, then I really think we should listen, pay attention and see what they've got to say and what they've got to offer. And um, they've got to offer some pretty cool things. So get this, for a membership of $59 a year, which is their basic entry-level launch membership, you get on average 30% off your shopping. For orders over $140, you even get your shipping free. So if you're doing kind of uh, fortnightly, if you've got a big family or monthly, if you've got a smaller family, pantry slash dry goods order. Got things like magnesium as well. So some staples for deliciously relaxing baths and things. I'll let you guys go and have a shop around. Then you're getting your shipping off as well, which is amazing. And... And until Christmas Day, for Lotox listeners and Lotox community, we have an additional 10% off your first order, which is something you can use once. And so your very first order will basically negate the membership fee for the whole year and you'll therefore thereon be saving 30% on all of your orders. And for in terms of creating value, they then provide some beautiful education resources. Lainey and I are talking about how we can collaborate and add value with our Lotox courses, some special bonuses for the Whole Food Collective members. So stay tuned on that front. And I've received my first order actually, and it is beautiful quality produce. It's incredible stuff. Oh, sorry, not produce, it's products because it's pantry staples. But when you're talking about almonds, they're spray free. I've baked with the tapioca flour. It was sensational. Uh, the coconut flour just smells delicious and pure and unaffected. Um, and I've had a bath with my magnesium flakes. They have a beautiful organic tahini that I've received as well. So I, I'm all in. I think it is just a no-brainer. And for the people who really feel like the budget factor is the biggest block for you, if you can stretch to that $59 membership and save 30% there on, then I think it's just such an amazing uh, win for people who've really struggled around that. So all the details are in the show notes. Your first order is going to have an additional 10% off if you become a member and spend that $59 a year. You'll not only get your 30-ish on average percent off your whole food groceries, but you'll also get an extra 10% off for that first order. So please go and make the most of that. Very exciting. And of course, we've got our two other beautiful offers, one from Walida, 
um, who you've heard me talk about till I'm blue in the face. I don't have a huge amount of new stuff to tell you. Uh, I'm sure you've heard it all before. But suffice it to say that I will make a mention given uh, here in Australia we're moving into the late spring summer time of the year and you might be getting some mozzie bites and things like that. That burns and bites gel is a must. It's an absolute must. If a little one just doesn't reapply their sunscreen, if they're in the water and it all washes off, it's brilliant for a little bit too much sun exposure as well. Obviously not to be used as a... As a way to avoid sunscreen, we should be wearing sunscreen in this country, of course, low-tox sunscreen, but it's brilliant in cases of emergency where you've miscalculated. So I urge you to make the most of this 15% off this month. And, um, and uh, you know, for those of you who are on the market for some Christmas gifts and you're thinking, what do I get the teachers and, you know, all of those um, aunties and cousins that you just want to get something lovely but don't want it to cost the earth, they're hand cream are so beautiful, you know, and the skin food is so amazing. If you've got a friend who's always complaining about dry skin, please go and um, and get some of your Christmas gifts from Walida with that 15% off with your Lotox Life, all caps, code. And you even get free shipping if you spend over $29.95. So all you need to do is stock up on two or three things and you're there. You know, the Calendula baby range, if you've got a friend having a baby over the summer, they've got some gorgeous um, products there. I loved giving my little man a little massage with that baby oil. So enjoy that. And of course, Puka, uh, Pucker, sorry. Um, I've always said Puka. And then when I was chatting to uh, um, Sebastian on the show last uh, two weeks ago, I realized it was Pucker and it was like, oh my gosh, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. So if you have two, then don't worry. Both of us are in the same boat. But Pucker Tees have given us a huge and generous 20% off their range for the month of November. And that's for the UK listeners as well as Australian listeners. So enjoy that, guys. I've got the website there in the show notes. Your code is LOWTOX20. And we've still got a few spots to claim for our US listeners. The first 10 listeners just share the pucker tea out of the range that you would like to try the most and we'll be posting it to you. How good's that? So US, UK and Australia all get to benefit from the amazing offers from the um, lovely team at Pucker. And if you didn't listen to my podcast with Sebastian Pohl, the co-founder of Pucker Tees a couple of weeks ago, it's a must. It's so inspiring. I just love hearing the origin stories and how people grow uh, with their ethics and values um, at the centre of everything they do and even how they grow into acquisitions from multinationals as, as Pucker's recently done. So it's a fascinating chat and I urge you to have a listen to that show. Now... Back to the amazing chat that we're I'm about to share with you that I had with Maeve from Food Safari. I hope you enjoy it. It was um, it was just I could listen to her talk about food stories for hours and the people she meets and the the things that average secret cooks in the suburbs share as much as very well known celebrity chefs share. She's just a fantastic storyteller. And if you weren't inspired or if you're feeling a bit uninspired in general about your plant foods of late, then Maeve is absolutely going to be sorting you out on this show. Enjoy. Hello, Maeve. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. Thank you, Alex. That's great. And I'm really excited to have you on the show. So 
I guess, I mean, we could start a lot of places and, of course, we're going to be talking about the new series. But um, before we do that, I'd love to see how you became personally so passionate about food. I mean, it shines through in all of the beautiful series that you do with Food Safari. But I'd love to see what the history is there for you. Oh, thank you. Look, really, it's um, it's quite selfish. It's um, it's just taste bud lead. I grew up in a family that really, you know, we had good plain food. It was the sort of the classic meat and three veg, Irish Australian background, Irish stew that was, um, it was good, but, you know, I haven't really eaten it since those early days. Lamb chops grilled uh, maybe with a bit of salt and pepper, but that was sort of it. So it's really, you know, it was it was good, hearty food. My grandmother loved baking, and I loved being with her as she cooked, and um, and just those wonderful warm smells of a cosy kitchen and nutmeg and cinnamon remind me of her so much. But yeah, so I, I grew up always having a sense of a wider world and uh, and wanting to find new tastes. So when Mum found soy sauce early on that was just a <laughs> it was a revelation in the, yeah it, it was in the omara family that was fantastic and actually my kids were looked after by my mum and dad as i was uh, sort of trying to juggle many jobs at the one time and my mum's chicken marinated with soy sauce a little bit of garlic a little bit of dry sherry Ooh, um fancy is still a family favorite so so there you go um, once discovered, it's been treasured for all time. But so, but but I guess in the time that I've loved food and and been interested in food, the world has come to our doorstep. So I've been lucky enough to do a fair bit of travel, but a lot of the world is is on our doorstep now, and and that's given me a whole career. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And and the Australian food scene has changed so much. We arrived here in 1980, my family, and apparently until just before then, you had to get olive oil at the pharmacy, and, you know, just crazy oh, things like that. I and, think it was a little bit before the 80s. Oh, was it? Well... My mum seems. To, my mum was talking to someone at the time, and and um, and they kind of recounted how lucky they were to be arriving at that time versus beforehand. Yes. And um, exactly those dark, dark days. Yeah. But you know, I think I think people are pioneers, and and people that come from other countries are really clever with food. They'll find it out, and someone will start importing, and someone will bring in seeds, which are the gold, because that links you to the flavors that you know. That the herbs that you know, the vegetables, and connects you with your sort of your culture from across the world. It, it's an essential to to people sort of coming and, and establishing themselves in a new country, I think. Oh, absolutely. And when you're a melting pot like Australia um, or America, one of the newer countries, it really is just every uh, every kitchen is a little global <laughs> little global hub yeah yes yeah yeah and that's exciting too because people really treasure it and in a sense uh, it's it's made australia a little bit of a a food museum because when at the time that people left that is where their food memories go up to so while their countries you know italian italians tell us always 
people at home are not picking the olives off their trees. They couldn't be bothered. It's easier to buy them. And they're not doing tomato bottling days because the posada that you buy in bottles is almost as good. And the Australian Italians are absolutely horrified by this because, <laughs> you know, this is this is wonderful. You can't get that and you really cannot get that same flavour from uh, tomato than something grown in the sun and preserved just at that right time of year. So in a sense, you know, there are food traditions that exist here that are starting to die out elsewhere. So I think Australia in so many ways is a is a fantastic undiscovered secret, uh, but also in, in food, in cultural terms, I think we are going to be somewhere that the rest of the world will look to to sort of find the Italy or Greece of the, the 1960s or, you know, the um, South America of the 1980s or 90s. Very interesting. And do you think that's because people have a desire to kind of pee in the corner, if you like, and stamp um, and, and, you know, like preserve their culture because that is their, their big link to home? So I think it's that, but yeah. I actually think it comes down to sort of my own thing. It's your taste buds. Mm. You know, you you grow you grow up knowing that um, basil that's grown in the old bathtub that you sort of you pick the seeds of the best basil plants each year and you replant. That's going to taste so much better. You know, the people absolutely shiver and sort of um, you know they grimace with horror at the idea that you would go and buy parsley at a supermarket because it's always too tough. My Lebanese mother-in-law grows her own parsley. She would never ever buy parsley. You know, it, it doesn't make tabbouleh that absolutely sings off the plate because what you need is that beautiful fresh herb at a younger stage than it's picked for supermarkets and the way that you hold it and the way that you slice it with a sharp knife that's what makes great tabbouleh and equally the idea of having a tub of tabbouleh sitting on a supermarket shelf mm-hmm. for a day or two <laughs> is like oh my god but also it it's not um it doesn't give you that sort of um that health rush that you get when you have that wonderful and she serves um her tabbouleh which is sensational in little baby cos lettuce leaves and Mm. oh my god you know that is the thing you take one bite and you just feel like you're closer to the angels (laughs) i love it it's but it's so true and um, you know, like from the minute something's picked, the nutrients already start to go down in their levels. And, and exactly. that is exactly why instinctively fresh just makes us feel more alive because it actually absolutely physiologically makes us feel more alive. Indeed. Um, and the lowest food miles ever, you mm. know, from the backyard to the plate. <laughs> absolutely. So, so, yes, I think that's why people make the effort and um but also there's something really lovely you know there's the whole sort of spiritual cultural side of of growing something it's tremendously satisfying seeing some beautiful green thing come up through the earth that you water diligently and then you pick and you enjoy like there's nothing better no there is nothing better and there's nothing better than seeing um so so many of us who've been completely disconnected by where our food comes from and how mm. it's grown and and what really good food is um and I don't mean posh you know cuz a lot of the time fresh food gets marketed as posh so that people don't think it's for them and I think that's a a, a huge um 
a huge a challenge we have uh, as everyone who educates in this space to, to reconnect people to food is to, to mm. help people realise that fresh food is not posh and it's everybody's birthright and it just tastes Not posh so good. and also not expensive. Mm. So really it is those classic lessons that I know, you know, a part of your mantra, which is, you know, buy seasonally because it will be amazing and it'll be cheap. Mm. And there's so many things that you can do with something and appreciating something in season that absolutely sings off the plate. And But but I guess for me, my learning curve has been to connect with people that have a largely vegetarian uh, diet that has gone back thousands of years. How are they getting maximum flavour and, and I guess maximum goodness from whatever they're cooking? What's delicious? So... Um, I, we haven't approached Food Safari with that sort of worthy five serves a day idea. We're just chasing flavor history, culture and, history. and flavour, yeah. mm. flavour. So, you know, some some recipes are five ingredients, the classic uh, Lebanese mujadra with the um, lentils, rice and onions and olive oil is just a classic and and that is food that fuels you and touches your heart and, you know, it helps that it's served with a lovely fresh garlicky um, cabbage salad and those uh, beautiful um, pickled turnips or pickled onions with a little bit of um, beetroot colour. So there's a, you know, you're eating with your eyes as well but you have something that's really deeply peasant subsistence and it is so delicious. So delicious. And I think it ticks all those boxes, what you've just described there, the sweet, the sour, the strong, the soft, and it's all, mm. it, it just, you know, wakes you up that kind of food when you, your senses are attacked from all those different angles. It does. and But as well, we're, we're telling people stories. So the woman that we cooked with, who was actually the first recipe that we filmed for Food Safari Earth when we started filming 12 months ago, Emma Sophie, she had a little corner store in inner Western Sydney, um, you know, a grocery store. And occasionally her customers would say, oh, you know, there's cooking smells. Of course, she'd sort of cook in the back of the store. That smells so lovely, Emma. Could you make something for us to take home? So she had a little you know, gradually the uh, regular customers would take mujadra home or a couple of, you know, a, a hummus that she'd made or whatever. This then grew into a hugely popular restaurant. She's an absolute icon and mm. people lining up down the street. What a lovely story because what she's doing is using her grandmother's recipe Um pretty much, you know, exactly the same and finding an audience of people that haven't grown up with the Lebanese grandmother but really want to tap into those flavours and and the health benefits too. Yeah. And how did the, the series come about? Was it something that you personally decided one day, I want to focus on vegetarian cultures or... I work with my partner, Tufik Charabati, who's mm. uh, Lebanese, and we had filmed a whole series on fire, which was fabulous. It, it was, was elemental. It was people doing lots of things with fire, lots of great vegetables on the fire, um, things like okra threaded on a skewer and, and turned, and eggplant, of course, and, you know, a number of things. But it was very meat-heavy and uh, from the you know the Argentinian uh, yeah. way of cooking meat to um, you know Italian wood fired cooking and we we did the whole gamut it was fantastic. After that, we personally felt like 
lots of um, salads and veggies <laughs> ourselves. And then we thought, what? What? If, we loved fire because it was a really lovely way of looking into the entire sort of multicultural horizon, and just being able to choose dishes that we loved. And we thought, well, why don't we do the elements? So um, fire. Now we've done earth, and actually, Alex, we're in the middle of filming water, uh, oh, which wow. is all seafood. Fabulous. So it's just given us a really lovely sort of prism to look through the world through. And, um, and again, great stories. Some people have been in lots of our series over many years and others are new and, and a combination of home cooks and, um, and chefs, but often the chefs are in their homes and, um, to our great delight, in their gardens. And we were with some of the top chefs who have – test gardens and they're growing heritage things at home because they personally love them but also they can pick them at an earlier stage try them at bud stage um eat the flowers or and then think oh well we can use the flowers to get a broad bean flavor in a salad rather than necessarily a broad bean or a pea flower so um that just gave us this beautiful green incredible world and film filming throughout um, 12 months. So we got all the seasons. We did episodes on the tropic and, and exotics. We did something on sweet and sour, on uh, vegetables that are stuffed, wrapped and rolled, preserving and fermenting. So it's just it's just been a, a really interesting uh, path ourselves. And I have to say, the, the, with uh, sort of family eating, because um, I'm mother of three, um, we're eating a lot more vegetables as a result. So we're very much inspired by the people that we've seen. And um, and uh, so my cooking reflects whatever we're doing. So we're, I'm sort of between vegetables and seafood at the moment. Ah, isn't that interesting? It's almost like, you know, well, where your focus goes, the energy flows, right? Wow, exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very much so. But I think you've also, you know, it, it is a personal journey in, in a lot of ways that a lot of the people in the show are people that I'm great friends with. And I think that makes for really just relaxed, easy television because it's actually not about the presenter. It really is about me helping whoever I'm with absolutely shine. Well, that's what and, I've always uh, and felt. And tell their story. Yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah. And uh, so, so look, you know, each each day is joy. I'm hanging out with my friends. They're cooking for me. I'm eating and coming <laughs> home, sometimes with the leftovers or some, you know, sometimes to sort of cook from scratch. But, you know, it's it's quite a, a fabulous existence, really. Yeah, I, I would say there would be a lot of people who would love your job, Maeve. Um, <laughs> now, with uh, Earth and with this... Um, this focus, I guess, on vegetables and vegetable-driven meals or vegetarian-driven mm. meals more broadly. Um, you know, we know that our co- our country eats more meat per capita than the US, which a lot of people do are quite – Yeah, we do. We, we, wow. we are past them. Um, and so Aussies and below love – Argentina. Yeah, we've – no, no, no. We're, we're number one in the world. I think Argentina was Get number – four or something when I was doing the research yeah how interesting I Mm. know and so it couldn't come at a better time um not because we have to go vegetarian per se but um you know I'm always a a huge fan of the idea as responsible omnivores 
Uh, we, we look after the earth and the animals as best we can and we realise that doubling our veg is good for everybody. I mean, there's, there's exactly. no one that can say, yeah, you might want to cut down on your vegetables. It's just, it's <laughs> untouchable. So exactly. it's something Michael, worth celebrating. Michael Pollan said, what was it? Eat, eat plants, not too much. Um, that the sort of the basis of, you know, where we should be eating for the planet and ourselves. Um, yeah, yes. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, eat food, ma- uh, not too much, mainly plants. That's it. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yes, yes, yeah. Thank uh, you. No, no yeah. worries. Um, so, okay, how do you think, you think about that great Aussie barbecue or um, the big uh, fast food joints, how do we get people um, to not just watch beautiful shows like yours um, but actually get them cooking? What do you think it takes for someone to actually feel empowered to start cooking in their kitchen more actively um, in a more varied kind of way? Because it's something that always interests me. Yeah, I I think you don't come from the um, the background of um, must do because that sounds you know there's nothing inspiring in that. No, I think um, to see something on television. I think television is an amazing teacher, and I think you know to to balance um, some of your your figures on meat consumption, we are the highest consumers of food magazines and cookbooks in the world. So we obviously love to learn new things. We we want to learn how to make something properly and extract maximum flavour, and television's part of telling that story. Television's even better because you can see you know, how a few ingredient how a few ingredients can come together and make something magic and the little voice in your head says, I can do that or, you know, I'll take out this bit of it but I can do that. So I think I think that's part of it. I think um, certainly the fast food joints which are not places I go into. So I don't know that world, but I do know from sort of hearsay that Aren't there salad bars in those places now and don't they have calorie counts? I, I really don't know. But I think to I notice when I'm buying petrol, there are fresh fruit available. There's there's more um, a nod to healthy eating perhaps than there was five years ago. Um, but I think... I think television's part of it and I think uh, just and maybe it's also going to be budgetary that vegetables are not going to cost you a fortune and you can make something rather than being vegetarian, being meat-free and just perhaps going perhaps going that route. Um, and there are so many things that are so easy to do and, and child-friendly as well. So I don't think it's brain surgery and I think... If you if you love eating, there's so much to enjoy in that vegetable world without being worthy and without being difficult. Mm, agree, and and I I think not being worthy is a huge part of it. Anyone that gets preached to wants to run a mile. So, (laughs) and I I think, you know, having watched a couple of the shows myself, thanks to the the joys of being able to preview it, chatting to you today, um, I just think you could not possibly come to the end of any of them and not want to make something. I mean, that dish that you make, it's true, the dish that you make with that lovely Indian gentleman, uh, the potato dish. um, Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
And really, my assistant and I spiced, were both. They in... are spiced potatoes, <laughs> and I love the potato. It's sort of part of my gene pool, my DNA. Yeah, so delicious and and so easy. And in fact, the story of that, he's a, a long term friend, and so this was a spiced potato to go into the masala dosa, the beautiful light frothy um, rice pancake that is just heaven. Um, we actually. <laughs> Uh, he left the hot plate with us and we had some people coming in for a party two days later and so he sent his chef down to make <gasps> masala dosa for everybody. So it was just the best party ever. And to see people eating, now this could have been a group that could have had the, you know, the meat barbecue. Instead they were eating vegetarian masala dosa with spiced potatoes and it was such a hit. So, you know, it's always worth trying. I think one of the um, one of the easy easy ways to start with um, sort of eating more vegetables is the idea of um, I love that Mediterranean um, Middle Eastern meze style of eating. So you've got a number of different plates of vegetables, interesting salads, or um, you know blanched beans with some dry toasted nuts and an interesting dressing, or you know just some grated. Um, a beetroot, carrot, um, shaved cabbage. You know, there are very, very easy ways of just putting vegetables together that are quite delicious and you can still have a bit of protein with it but more of more of, of what's on your table laid out that looks delicious, that adds so much flavour and texture to a meal and are not expensive, come from the vegetable world. Mm, it's so true. And um, I guess I'd love to ask you, you know, it was. It's just such a, a powerful series to me because we get to look not only at the the glorified, amazing things that chefs can do with veggies and vegetarian foods, but also, you know, that corner shop that turns into a community success, or just you know, <laughs> the the uncovered stories of people that we otherwise never would have heard of before doing very simple things in their eyes that we get to see and be or wondrous about because they're just not part of our day-to-day. So it is exciting yeah. to, to so many others. Um, did you personally learn some techniques that made you think, I-, I want to actually bring that into my family repertoire? And what were they? Oh, so many, so mm. many. So there's a spring episode coming up and we're in spring now and using spring vegetables just in a really clever way. So there's a very easy Italian sort of braised spring vegetable mix that Stefano Manfredi, the fantastic um, Italian chef, does for us. Easy, achievable, and I think he adds some uh, just grated pecorino on top that just rounds out that dish. It's fantastic. But um, tempura uh, batter for vegetables, great for kids and achievable, easy. Um, There's also uh, broad beans that are so young and um, early in the season that you can braise them whole in the pod so you don't have to double pod. It's just a very Mediterranean way of slow braising um, with lemon and tomato and olive oil. And, my God, they're fantastic. Um, I made a big batch a few days ago and it's uh, it's nearly at its end in the fridge, but it's delicious. It's great hot or cold. Um, I grew up with a mulberry tree and to see my friend Samira, you do the Lebanese te- 
technique with mulberries was absolutely mind-blowing where you um, process them in a uh, food processor and then you squeeze out all that beautiful, rich, thick crimson juice through um, a muslin cloth and then you use that as a basis of a cordial. Mm. Wow. I never knew that. And it looks fantastic. You get beautiful crimson hands if you don't wear gloves. But um, And also learning how incredibly good for you mulberries are. So it's, you know, one of the few veg, uh, the fruits of spring, oh, so high in iron, so high in minerals. We should all be having more mulberries, really. Mm. Um, and one of the other great, uh, great uh, people that I met, a lovely Zimbabwean woman who grows pumpkin not for the um for the pumpkin but for the leaves and oh. the flower that she cooks and those have an incredibly high vitamin mineral count oh they yes like we spinach. eat these in mauritius i'm mauritian on yes. my mum's side and yes. it's right called, okay um, it's called bread she songe. calls it mabura yeah oh okay mabura. cool yeah it's delicious so we she, have it with curries and yeah. things mm. Yeah, yeah. So she couldn't wait to put her garden in because you can't buy pumpkin shoots um, and leaves commercially. Although I think, you know, we probably will be able to in in a heartbeat, which would be great because they sound like a great vegetable for us. They're unused otherwise. Mm. And um, to cook them the Zimbabwean way, it's tomato, onion base, uh, a little bit of garlic, put the, uh, you know, a great deal of the green in. And then she had some peanut butter. That was so delicious. (laughs) It was so delicious. And then served with um, sadza, which is like a sort of polenta style, um, like a mealy meal uh, on the side. Delicious. And what a great experience. It's something you're probably not going to find in a restaurant yet. You know, it's great sort of meeting people who – cooking food simply and she's she was just so she she was just alight with the experience of passing on this recipe and I know when it goes on tv her whole family she'll have 30 people around the television (laughs) and you know I just wish we could see some of that ourselves oh you should have a little behind the scenes crew that goes and captures some of that for that actually is people. a lovely idea. Mm. Yes, yes, yeah. Good. It really we'll brings that uh, that um, that uh, experience that they're having being a part of the show to life when it mm. when it goes to air and what the response is. Oh my gosh, everyone would be so proud. Ah, oh, look, I think that's I, maybe that's sort of given us some longevity in television terms because we are true. You mm. know, we're not tricking things up it really is that sort of um beautiful easy family recipes and and culture that you perhaps might not have come across there's a family alex that we've visited oh so often <laughs> one of my great <laughs> an ethiopian family a um, extended family in melbourne they have an injera bread bakery and we they've been so hospitable to us and allowed us to come in and and film their just family get-togethers which are usually 30 people sitting on the floor with tablecloths laid out and this beautiful food uh and you know i'm so honored that we uh at their table and that they've allowed us to um 
to you know document some of uh, some of what they do including filming at ramadan god bless them so you know making dishes enough for 30 40 people yeah. that were coming and not being able to taste them until um you know the the sun had set and uh, the prayer had been said you know we are we are truly blessed and you know as well as of course some of the great temples of food across the the country some of the great restaurants and really inspired chefs as well of course mm. and i think you know it all comes down to um for me looking for what's good and true rather than what's shiny and new i have that little saying that i kind of share every now and then and um and i think it really is about that there's something so deeply satisfying about finding something that is absolutely good and absolutely true. It just feels, uh, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like you need to chase anything. Right. Yeah, it feels Indeed. right. Exactly. But look, that, that said, veggies are the new black in the kitchen and some of the top restaurants really look at vegetables as a way to um, show off their skill and to keep diners happy. We have uh, a chef a friend in Melbourne, Joseph Abud, who says when diners leave his table and they've had largely vegetables, there's a joy at the end of the meal, which I find really interesting. I thought everybody would leave a restaurant happy, but, um, you know, he's he's identified the more veg equals happier happier guests. But um, some of the top chefs like Peter Gilmore at Key and Benelong and Andrew McConnell, who's got five or six restaurants in Melbourne, both of those guys have their home gardens and they're continually looking at beautiful combinations. And And uh, one of the things that that's comes through in the show are some really inspired salads, which I think is also a way in for people who are perhaps sort of on that, um, you know, in, in the meat world, just add an interesting salad um and you know you 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 eat better you feel better that mm. um and yeah. it was interesting the- it was interesting to hear one of the chefs saying that the trend was for the size of the meat on the plate to shrink and for more vegetables to join to come on board i loved that it was great to yeah, hear that that 50, was happening 50. Mm, yes really yes good. and another chef said um, 60, 40, 60 veggies, um, 40, um, you know, uh, meat protein. Mm, no more little and token puree little... underneath. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And the other thing, I guess, Alex, is the abundance of this world. Yeah. Uh, particularly, you know, cuisines that really use lots and lots of herbs. So uh, I've got some Persian friends who've always said, oh, we really want you to be part of our Nauru's, our New Year celebration. And uh, so finally we've done it this year and they do an omelette, an well, it's a frittata, but it's it's actually so many, um, it would be a whole bowl full of herbs and just a couple of eggs. So it really is the herbs are the centre of the universe and uh, then they make this uh, sort of beautiful mix that cooks in a pan. It's studded with walnuts and uh, barberries. It's absolutely delicious. And uh, so the abundance of herbs used there to think, you know, in the dark days, when olive oil was uh, was found in pharmacies <laughs> and you might get a single sprig of parsley <laughs> on top of uh, something as, as the ode to the herb. You know, those those days are gone. Thank God. Yeah. 
I know. And then the rest wilts in the fridge while you debate whether it's still good to use and then it gets chucked, right? No more, no more. No more, no more. Well, thank you so much, Maeve. It's been brilliant chatting to you and getting some insights into not only the the show itself but your beautiful stories about um, the reinvigoration of the, the new black, our veggie. Um, and uh, and just so wonderful having on you on the show. Well, thank you. I hope people will uh, watch and be inspired and all the recipes are on a website and all the names of the businesses uh, are up there as well. So it's a really easy way of just being able to go out and, and just, um, you know, dive in. What's You know, there's absolutely everything to be gained by adding an extra veggie on your plate. The perfect final note. Thanks, Maeve. Thank you. Well, that's another show done. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Always so much inspiration from our beautiful guests. And I just want to take a minute to say thank you for taking the time to leave a review for our show because it helps us stay visible and helps other people who maybe haven't discovered it yet go, oh, that looks like it might be worth a look. So if the show has provided value to you, there's nothing you can do to thank me more than to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you access the show from. So what you do is you just search generally in the podcast app. Don't be in the list of shows because you won't be able to leave a review there. So once you've searched generally, you'll see the tile come up and you click on that tile and then a little set of tabs will come up and the middle one is called review. And from there, you can click it, star rate it and leave a review. And I appreciate that so much. Now, if you want to connect with the rest of the Lotox Life community, wherever on Instagram at Lotox Life or on the main website uh, where there are a whole bunch of recipes, some incredible e-learning opportunities depending on what your Lotox goals are. And that is www.lotoxlife.com. And of course, if you want to check out the podcast show notes, you just do forward slash podcast and everything's there. So I look forward to continuing our chats in between shows online in the community. Mm -hmm.